0: Howdy,
1: howdy, howdy, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you this afternoon on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer, uh, on this beautiful January, the 11th day of January of uh, 2020. Um, it's been a good year so far. <laughs> first, first 11 days haven't been too bad for me. Um, but boy, have this, has this past week been exciting for us. I think that if anything... America has uh, has seen what the Democrats really, really are, what they look like. I mean, the mask has been pulled off of them. If there has ever been an effort to show Democrats as the anti-American, that's what I'm going to call them, anti-American globalists that they are, boy, they have really showed it now. Uh, not only, I mean, not only do they support uh, open borders and the idea of of protecting illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, uh, they also want uh, criminals to vote. Uh, people in prison that have been in prison forever—they want to open up the prisons. They want to uh, decriminalize crime, as they put it. But then on top of that, now they are defending Iran. Uh, I mean, the arch enemy of uh, of the United States. They may as well be uh, defending North Korea as well, while they're at it. I mean, it's it's incredible how the how these folks. Uh, Think and behave. It is amazing the the squad. I am so tired of these four women of color as they constantly call themselves. Uh, I think it's five women of color because you've got to include uh, that Hindu woman as well in there uh, from Minnesota. Uh, it, it, they are just, I mean, these, these ladies are anti-American, but I think more than anything else, they're so ugly. I, I, you know, and I, I I'm going to be very blunt <laughs> they are so, uh, some of them are so ugly. I think that, that, that they have psychological problems. I think that, that they didn't get any prom dates and, I, and therefore now they're taking it out on all of America. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's my little rant for right now. Uh, let me uh, let me uh, tell you about our show. We've got a very very good show as usual. Um, we've got Mr. Bill Young, who is uh, who is a citizen uh, in Laredo, Texas. Uh, in fact, he is the Webb County um, Webb County GOP chairman, and uh, Bill's going to be talking to us about what it's like for him to be a citizen uh, right on the border. Uh, Bill. Uh, his whole family, they're originally from Laredo. In fact, I think he is related to the founder of Laredo. And uh, he uh, is going to be telling us exactly what it's like and what it feels like, what has changed uh, for residents of the border uh, over the past few years and how dangerous it's gotten. We know about the, there was a big shootout last week uh, in Nuevo Laredo, and he's going to be chatting to, with us a little bit about that, Mr. Bill Young from Laredo. We also have uh, our good friend uh, Todd Bensman and Todd's going to be chat, chatting with us uh, regarding his latest uh, uh, article uh, about illegal immigration, about uh, the issue of, uh, of uh, terrorists uh, who are sneaking in, who are potentially are sneaking into our, uh, our country, particularly when we're talking about how the Iranians are, are bent on, on hitting us. Uh, one way that they certainly could hit us would be through terrorist acts. And so Todd Bensman. From the Center for Immigration Studies, he's going to be chatting with us about that that whole issue. He's going to be laying it out uh, regarding this this possibility. This I hate to say probability, but this possibility of terrorists that have already snuck in and are sleeping uh, sleeper cells right amongst us. Uh, and then finally, we've got a very very good, uh, a very uh, uh, interesting uh, gentleman, Mr. Dan Lyman, and Dan. Works for uh, he he lives in Switzerland and he works for Infowars in Europe. He is a reporter, a writer in uh, Europe uh, for Infowars, and he uh, has written a lot about the issue of illegal or, or should I say the issue of migration because that's what they call it in in Europe. Uh, they don't have legal or illegal immigration, so to speak. They have migration. Uh, the impact of all the migrants, uh, from, uh, Africa and Asia, uh, what has been going on and what the, he's going to tell us what, what the, the news is failing to report. Uh, Dan is right there on the front lines. Uh, he recently wrote, uh, an article regarding, uh, women in Brussels, how they are absolutely panicked and scared to go out into the community. And, um. He'll be chatting with us, but uh, for right now, let's uh, let's do a little bit of uh, let's do, give you a little bit of news of what's been happening this past week uh, in the realm of illegal immigration and border uh, crime. First of all, let's start off. Uh, last uh, Sunday, Saturday, I believe it was last Saturday on the third, uh, there was a thirteen-year-old. A citizen, a 13-year-old boy who is a citizen of the United States, who was traveling with relatives in Mexico, uh, just south of the border, just south of uh, uh, of the Texas border, and uh, they were ambushed. Drug cartel folks um, ambushed him. The little boy was killed. Uh, you know, again, folks, I don't know why people want to travel right now into uh, into Mexico, but um, you know that that's people are still going across the border like it like like we always have, like we always have. Uh, unfortunately, it's not the same. It's just not the same. Also, the border patrol caught it, a uh, MS-13 gang member uh, last uh, this past week as well. Uh, he was traveling through private ranch lands to avoid detection. When he was apprehended, um, when he was apprehended by the ranch owner uh, and uh, and and some friends. And apparently, uh, you know, this is another reason why we need the wall, folks. This is just another reason why we need a wall. Um, we've got uh, a new report. About anchor babies coming, uh, cl- courtesy of um, the Center for Immigration Studies. An anchor baby, of course, is uh, it refers to a child born uh, to a legal or an illegal non-resident, somebody who is a non-citizen here in the United States. And uh, of course, the majority of the uh, of the anchor babies that are being born right now are being born to illegal aliens. And uh, they, breed, uh, an anchor baby, receives automatic Uh, Birthright citizenship And uh, courtesy of the Interpretation of the 14th amendment Well what we've got going right now My friend is the study shows that the numbers of, Of anchor babies being born In 2019 It surpassed in most States in most states It surpassed the number Of American births in most States in fact the only Two states where it did not surpass it Were Texas and California Outside of that Anchor babies surpassed the number of babies of American citizens being born in each state. I, 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 I think that that, my friends, is a major loophole that, uh, the, that Congress and the Supreme Court have got to address. They've got to redefine and limit the 14th Amendment, what it means uh, to be a, uh, a citizen, because this, this, is, this is a major abuse. The child becomes an automatic citizen. And then, uh, and, and then the uh, benefits of citizenship, financial, legal, social services are all extended to uh, the illegal parents, as well as to um, as as well as to other family members. That is an abuse, my friends. Uh, there was also the situation in in, uh, in South Texas this past week, where three million dollars. Now, this was just one of many busts, but this was a three million dollar drug bust that was that was um, made by the uh, Border Patrol in Progreso, Texas, at the at the uh, at the uh, bridge. They intercepted this um, this one uh, truckload of heroin and meth uh, in an F uh, one hundred and fifty truck. It was re- being driven by a twenty five year old uh, male U.S. citizen but uh, nevertheless, I mean you know three million dollars worth of um, worth of of drugs also also in Carrizo Springs at the station uh this woman was busted from Abilene she's from Abilene, Jennifer Ann Martinez from Abilene. she and her uh, companion uh a Mexican national named jaime R- R- Rolando felix uh they were busted for trying to smuggle in. a a Mexican illegal alien, and they had been, they had charged this Mexican illegal, they had charged him $3,000 to transport him uh, into the United States. My friends, where do these illegal aliens get money to pay $3,000? And, you know, hey, we're poor, you know, I keep hearing, they're poor, they're just coming for jobs. Well, you know, with $3,000, my friends, they could invest that in their own country and uh, make, uh, make some money. Finally, there's the issue of, um, there's the, the sad situation, the very, very sad situation uh, of a uh, Mexican national that committed suicide, unfortunately committed suicide on Thursday um, after he was denied entry into the United States. He was denied asylum in the United States, and apparently he walked back across the border and to the Mexican side and committed suicide. Immediately, immediately, the liberal news and the Democrats accused The Trump policy accused America accused, yeah, I mean, they accused everybody and everybody except putting blame on this poor, mentally unstable individual. I'm sorry, you know, but how are we supposed to know who is mentally stable and who is not mentally stable? The law should apply to everyone, everyone equally. Now this individual uh, was mentally unstable, unstable, imagine what kind of a citizen he would have been. In the United States, my friends, imagine what kind of, what kind of, uh, of, of person, uh, what kind of citizen he would have made. Uh, I guarantee that he would have been in, in the United States and would have immediately needed social services, mental services, probably needed uh, health care. He might have even become violent, for all we know. And so, uh, you know, it, it is very, very tragic how the automatic response by Democrats, by liberals, by leftists, by the media is to blame the United States for everything, to blame Trump and to blame the United States for everything. Let me tell you, my friends, let me tell you very bluntly, I do not apologize for being an American. I do not apologize for the problems of the third world. The problems in the third world are not my fault. On the contrary, I will do whatever I can under charitable conditions with charity to provide whatever I can to people who need it. I provide whatever I can as a uh, uh, under voluntary charitable situations, but I will not be forced by guilt, by liberals, to do anything. I will not. So, my friends, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, Deep in the Heart of South Texas. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our first guest. Thank you for being with us.
0: Elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 938. AM The El Conservador. Thank you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: Howdy, 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 my friends! George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And once again, we've uh, got a um, a new guest with us, a uh, someone that I've reached out to. I've known him for a while, but I uh, reached out to him because. Uh, he lives on the border in Laredo, in Webb County, and Webb County has been the scene, uh, or not Webb County, but across the border in Nuevo Laredo, it has been the scene of some recent very, very violent shootouts and uh, between cartel gang members and, and uh, the federal police. And uh, I wanted to get his perspective as a resident, as a U.S. resident on this side, of uh, the situation, the dangers that are going on. So well, uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Bill Young uh, from Laredo. And Bill also happens to be the uh, GOP uh, County Chairman down there in Webb County. Welcome to the show, Bill.
2: Well, thank you, appreciate
1: it. Um, tell us, Bill, uh, tell us, uh, how long has your family lived on the border and uh, what changes have you seen uh, in in uh, in 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 your lifetime and and since the family has been living down there with uh, with regards to the border.
3: Okay. Well, first of all, I'm a direct descendant of Don Tomas Sanchez, who was the founder of the city of Laredo. So my family's been here since the beginning of time. <laughs> but my lifetime here, I've lived here all my life, which is 68 years. And my dad was a farmer and farmed 120 miles of the river. So we farmed all the land we used. To the river for irrigation purposes we had pumps on every farm practically on the river so all my life i've lived up and down the river i've worked in the fields worked on the pumps stuff like that and back in the day when back in the 60s you know in in the 50s and 60s really there was a lot of people crossing but mostly they were looking for jobs and they were a different class of people than what's crossing now Yeah, they used to come by and ask you for a taco, a drink of water. Do you have something you can give us, anything? Sure, no problem. Because they weren't real hostile or anything. Nowadays, they come across, they demand it. And they don't come across in like one or two in a group. They come across in 50, 60 in a group. And then also, you'll have the drug traffickers crossing. And they're dangerous. I mean, I've been shot at four or five times while on the river. So,
1: and, and this is this is on your side? I mean, when you're on your property that you've been shot at?
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: Wow. That, that's you can a, ask
3: any rancher that has houses along the river, almost every one of them, if they would be willing to leave their wives and their children at home on their ranch house right on the border, right on the riverside, and they will not do it. I guarantee you they'll tell you no because it's too dangerous. You don't know who's coming through or why. I've got some friends that live downtown Lareda, right by the outlet mall, and their kids will come in at 5, 530 before it gets dark and say, Mom, it's time. We have to come in because they're scared of the crossers. They're coming. People hide under their, under their garage, on, on top of the roofs. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. These people own the property, but they can't even enjoy it. They can't even let their kids out without worrying about them, and that's just wrong. You know, I mean, that's what's changed in recent years.
1: Now, now, uh, what about the damage to property? Besides, you know, obviously the danger to people, uh, to, to, to the danger to folks who uh, are, uh, you know, living along the river or, you know, in some cases even, even beyond the river. But uh, what about the, the damage to property? I mean, I've heard that, uh, that uh, ranchers suffer damage of property and livestock.
3: Oh, definitely, because when they're crossing through your property, sometimes they'll cut the fence let your livestock out. The livestock's get out on the road, get a cow or something out on the road, kill somebody. Well, you know, that's property damage and human damage. But the big problem is the human trafficking is what it does to the people that they're that they're trafficking. You'll see poor people laying in the brush dying from thirst because the coyotes will leave them there. They won't stop for them. I mean, there's been pregnant women die in the brush here because... They won't stop to help them, yet they're still charging them full price to bring them. So it's really drastic. It's, it's a human, humanitarian problem because they're treating these people like, you know, just like animals that they're bringing across. And then you'll have, you know, you have a house on the river or something, they break into it, they tear it up. You know, that's just not right. You can't, you can't enjoy your own property. You can't go out there and do what you want to do unless you're armed. Almost everybody that goes out to the ranch now is fully armed because they know they have to be because they don't know what to expect you never know what you're going to run into and if it's a drug trafficker with mules coming across you know they call the drug packers mules so they have them coming across they'll shoot at you they don't care i mean and you have people that have been kidnapped here in laredo and taken to north laredo to be held for money they call and ask for you know for
1: money they'll they just kidnap them yeah we recently heard also about about um Uh, Some folks that had been uh, a dentist that had been killed on the other side, as well as uh, as uh, on Saturday, I believe, a a 13 year old was also killed uh, on the other side as well. That was a U.S. citizen. Um, What uh, what is the feeling of folks uh, along the border that you know of property owners like yourself? What's the feeling regarding the issue of border security and when the president talks about a wall? And uh, greater security, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What do people think? I mean, uh, what what is their opinion on this on this issue? Well, there's a really big split
3: opinion, but most of the people want to be safe, want their children to be safe. There's a school right here by my house called George Washington Mill School. There's a big creek that runs up right behind the school, and if you go, there's a park called Father Magnaville Park that's right there. And I've had people come in, and actually, they'll be crossing a load. This happened to a customs supervisor that was one of my supervisors at customs. He and his wife were down there for a walk. These guys drove up in a van. Two guys got out with AK-47s, put everybody in the corner, told them all to give them their cell phones. They took their cell phones, put them all in a plastic baggie. They crossed the load. After the load was crossed, the van drove out and they dropped it. They dropped the cell phones right there. This is right next to to a, a middle school. And it's right next to a baseball field. It's a nice park, really nice. In that creek, right before the kids get out of school, they'll bring over illegals drop in that creek. They know the school's getting out, so they'll walk out through the school grounds with the kids because they know no Border Patrol or anybody's going to stop them when they're walking with a bunch of kids. How dangerous is that for that school and for those kids and those parents? I mean, it's ridiculous. Amazing. It happens all the time here in Laredo.
1: So, so uh, what do you think is a, the best solution to this situation? I mean... Uh, I I was born in Laredo. My parents uh, grew up in Laredo. My grandparents grew up in Laredo. It never used to be like this. I agree with you. It never used to be like this. Uh, However, my cousins uh, now, you know, and 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 family members, uh, they don't even think of going to uh, to Nuevo Laredo, you know, to go eat or anything or, or shop or anything. What is the solution to this situation? What do you think? What do you think is a good solution for this this problem with uh, border security and illegal immigration?
3: The primary primary solution is going to be to build a wall, because like that, the park in that area, if there's a wall there, they can't just drop it off and be gone in two minutes. They can't bring a boat across. When they did the drug transaction, my custom supervisor told me that they did it within five minutes. They were there and gone. And so Border Patrol can't get there in five minutes. There's no way. And so uh, it's that way all up and down the border. That's just one little place, but it happens all up and down the border. So a border wall would give Border Patrol a chance to get there. They can't just come and throw the drugs off on the on side of a road right there where there's nothing to stop them from doing it. Right now it's just wide open. They just come right up to the edge of the road, throw it out, and the van picks up and takes off. But if there's a wall there, there's a deterrent. You can't just do that, and you can't just have illegals climbing over the wall. Somebody's going to see it, and if there's a camera on it, they're going to catch it. Well, the elementary school, the only real solution
1: is for the United States to clean up Mexico. What do you mean by that? I mean, like going in and
3: declare the drug cartels as terrorists, which they are. I went to work one day, seven heads hanging from the bridge on the other side, which is right by the Mexican customs area. Well, then you know who's in charge of the country, the cartels. There's nobody else. So you have to go in and eliminate the cartels. And help Mexico straighten out their problems because they can't do it by themselves. It's been going on for a long time, and they haven't been able to control it. So they need help. Yeah. The only thing that's going to help them is if the United States declares those as terrorist organizations he comes down on them like they're terrorists.
1: Let, let me ask you. Let me ask you because, um, as a uh, as a GOP uh, county chairman, uh, we see we hear a lot, particularly from the liberal media, about. Um, how, uh, you know, this is a strictly a humanitarian issue and we need to just provide aid and, and release the people, etc., etc. What is the response uh, locally to, uh, to the Republican Party, to a conservative message, and specifically to uh, President uh, Trump's
3: immigration policies? Well, the whole problem is if you just keep, you, the more you, you give to them, the more people are going to come. And they have come from all over the world. It's not just Mexico. We arrest Bangladesh people, we arrest people from Romania, we arrest people. When I was working for Custom, we arrested people from all over the world. We also had terrorists come in. I personally got a terrorist alert on my area, and I had to take control of the five terrorists that came in. And this was back in 2005. Who knows how many more have come in. And these people that are trained and are specialists coming in, they'll be easy for them to get in, and they know it. So they're going to come in. So the only way to do it, you can't. You can't bury your head in the sand and say it's not working or go and say it's a humanitarian thing we're going to go help all these people. You can't help the whole world. You can't feed and and, and provide jobs for the whole world. We wish we could. You'd like to do that, but you can't. And the liberals think, oh, open the bridge. Um, I'm sorry, but if you open the bridge, there'll be 100 million people here in months because they'll know they'll be able to get in and we'll be able to help them. Yeah,
1: we had a million last yeah. year. <laughs> Oh, we had we had a million. Uh, here in the closing moments, what would you like to share with people here in the closing moments? Bill, what would you like to tell folks specifically about this situation?
3: Well, the situation has really changed from what it was in the old days, where people came across just looking for jobs and stuff, and they were good people. They were, you know, honorable people. Right now, the class of people that's crossing the bridge are not honorable people, and they're not, they're to, they're not here to come in here for work. They're coming here to take what they can get. And if you give them free stuff, well, you're taking away from the Hispanics, which we are all Hispanics, most of us that live down here. You're taking away from the legal Hispanics that got here legally. You're taking away from their families to give to the other families that are here illegally. And you're not helping the legal middle class Hispanics that are living here are losing. That money's going someplace else instead of going to them. And they deserve it. The other people don't. And you have to look at it that way. Got gotcha. I mean, um, Their kids get free health care, free schooling, free everything, yet the kids that are born and raised here, they don't get that.
1: Bill, thank you very much for spending some time with us. We've been talking with, uh, with, with Bill Young uh, from Laredo, Texas, uh, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Thank you very much for being with us, Bill. Well, thank you
3: for having me, and I really appreciate it. Get the message out that, you know, we really need the wall to stop most of this stuff right now, and then we need to work on making them terrorist organizations.
1: Thank you. Rodriguez Enconcella, we talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got uh, our, uh, one of our regular guests uh, Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies, I've reached out to him because he's written an, another very interesting article uh, regarding uh, the possibility of uh, terrorist cells in the United States, particularly since we're all uh, kind of worried about this situation uh, with uh, re- Iranian t- retaliation. So I thought I'd I'd get uh, Todd to come on the show and talk to us and tell us uh, what um, he thought sees, what he thinks, and uh, what he's written uh, regarding the subject. Welcome to the show, as usual, Todd.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I always appreciate it, George.
1: Uh, All right, so tell us about your article.
2: Sure. My article is about the fact that Iran and its chief uh, military proxy, Hezbollah, have for many years stationed clandestine attacking agents throughout American cities for the day, uh, trained for the day that they could be triggered to conduct attacks and assassinations inside the United States. How do we know this? Because uh, it kind of sounds a little crazy uh, until you start to pay attention to federal prosecutions of these exact clandestine agents inside American cities. Uh, we had a pair of, of prosecutions recently very recently two members of hezbollah's what they call unit 910 that's the colloquial name for the unit of hezbollah uh clandestine off agents who are stationed in the united states unit 910 uh they were caught one was caught in the bronx in new york area operating there and the other one was caught at about the same time in 2017 in Dearborn, Michigan, and the court records from those cases are incredibly illuminating in terms of how they operate, what their missions are, how they are trained, and what their purpose is for being here. Uh, They're not the only prosecutions. There have been other prosecutions of Unit 910 people in the United States, Uh, so it's uh, the the most recent cases are just confirming evidence that uh, Hezbollah People are here. Uh, these two gentlemen, one of them is uh, Lee Korani out of New York, and the other one is Samir el and I write about these in my article, The Federalist, were Lebanese Jia, who came to the United States lawfully in about 2007 and 2008. And as soon as they were eligible for their passports for U.S. citizenship, they were recruited by Hezbollah back home. They were trained repeatedly in uh, Lebanese camps. They would go home and train in surveillance and political uh, indoctrinization, bomb-making, and uh, counter-surveillance, counter-intelligence. Uh, they were sent here. They formed, they had families and regular jobs. But on the side, they were creating target lists of infrastructure and people Uh, Israeli, Jews, Jewish business people. Uh, Debeck was sent to Thailand to empty a a room of explosives, and then he was sent to Panama to conduct uh, to to collect target information on the American Embassy and the Israeli Embassy and the Panama Canal. Uh, Ali Qalani was conducting surveillance and building target lists on Jewish Americans who had served in the IEF, the Israeli Defense Forces. He cased a Manhattan uh, office depot. He collected uh, intelligence on individuals who uh, were connected to the FBI and U.S. Citizen and Immigration Services. He cased the buildings. Uh, These guys were building uh, stockpiles of weapons explosives for the day that they could be triggered. The reason that they hadn't triggered is because there wasn't really much of a reason. Uh, what matters now though, is that uh, we have a, re- a reason now because of the uh, assassination of uh, General Soleimani. Uh, that is a major uh, point of, um, you know, call, calls for uh, revenge and uh the the risk is uh to inside the United States is that they could be triggered here over that
1: now let me ask you the, this Todd because um <clears throat> one of the things that I re- recall is that um there were there have been past instances where uh uh individuals <clears throat> Muslim uh jihadists have been caught uh like planning to blow up um uh the uh, Holland Tunnel, and um, of course, famously trying to uh, uh, blow up the towers way back in in uh, in, in the 1990s. Uh, there have been uh, attempts in the past, but these were not connected uh, to uh, to the Iranians.
2: No, those were uh, largely Sunni uh, people who were driven by Sunni ideologies like Al Qaeda uh those, Muslim brotherhood uh those, the, the, the Iranian the Shia threat is quite different because it's rooted in uh Iranian state policy so what they what the Iranians want to do by having sleeper agents in the United States is be, to be able to to project a credible threat for diplomatic purposes uh like this If um, there's a war between the United States and Iran, then you would be able to trigger these guys inside American cities. That's the idea. And consequently, and also as evidence that this is just not crazy stuff, if you um, were to visit most FBI field offices, almost every Joint Terrorism Task Force includes a squad that's exclusively dedicated to rooting out Hezbollah sleeper agents. And Hezbollah activity, illegal activity in the United States. This is not something that is unknown. It's very, very well known and established inside Homeland Security uh, circles in our government. So,
1: yeah, and there was also, uh, I believe, yesterday or day before yesterday, it was reported that uh, the INS, I mean, that uh, the Border Patrol had stopped uh, some, uh, Iranian, Iranian citizens, Iranian American citizens or Iranian citizens. I'm not sure which they were, um, at the border at the Canadian border. And, uh, there was a big, uh, huff and puff going on about it. I'm not sure if it was true or not, but, um, uh, well, I know that the, uh, that, that the border patrol reported that it wasn't true, but, uh, had you, did you hear anything about that? You know, I
2: have not heard about that if, uh, if they were conducting, I guess it sounds like what you're, what you're describing would be what's called a secondary inspection, which means, hey, uh, Mr. So-and-so, come over here with us based on, you know, your profile. We're going to ask you a few questions and check out your story a little bit more than we would, uh, you know, somebody who's not from Lebanon right now. If they're doing that, that is fantastic. And it's also would not be surprising in the least because, like I mentioned, the U.S. homeland security enterprise as a whole is very, very keenly aware that Hezbollah is inside the United States and that more could come uh, legally or even illegally over the border. I've interviewed Iranians on their way here in through Panama. They can come here. Um, I think that what we can expect... Is two things. One is uh, this is not uh, this this would be a great target of opportunity for the Iranians. Uh, one that that the American public is not really expecting, uh, and, and, and it would very, it would hurt. I mean, it, it, if there was some sort of a thing at a shopping mall, or some Israelis were murdered here, or you know, some diplomatic officials who'd been on one of their target lists were um, murdered. Uh, that would have an incredible impact. That would be payback. This is the place where they would most likely target, in my opinion, not overseas American well-armed troops, not diplomats who are behind barricades, multiple barricades, uh, you know, behind minefields and that sort of thing, uh, but, but right here in Houston, Texas, or um, Dallas or somewhere, New York. The other thing that you could expect is that in the next weeks and months that you'll see a lot of arrests of Lebanese uh, immigrants or people from Lebanon uh, because the FBI, like I said, has uh, Hezbollah squads that are dedicated to this. They have all kinds of investigations going at any time. I know that from my own direct experience with them uh, when I was working for the Texas Department of Public Safety. I talked to them all the time. I know what they were doing. The attorney general right about now or maybe a week ago should have told them, stop your investigations and arrest anybody you can for whatever you can. Whatever you've got on them so far, arrest them. Get the arrest and indictment. So, I would not be surprised if in addition to secondary inspections at the airports or at the border that then we now start seeing lots of different kinds of arrests uh, based on partial investigations, firearms charges, and that sort of thing. That is what's called due diligence, homeland security. I hope that they're doing that. I pray that they're doing that right now.
1: I just keep wondering how much uh, the ACLU is going to get involved in in this uh, situation claiming uh, racial profiling and who knows what else.
2: Well, you know, we're allowed to profile. Uh, I think that it's been pretty well decided that uh, immigrants who don't live here and are not even on U.S. soil, we can profile them any way we want to profile them. Yeah,
1: that's true. Uh, Todd, tell the folks uh, here in our closing seconds uh, how they can read more and follow you.
2: Yeah, um, for one thing, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Bensman. At Bensman Todd, B-E-N-S-M-A-N, Todd. And then you can read my writings. Mostly uh, I write for the Federalist and the Center for Immigration Studies and Town Hall. But all of my writings are at ToddBenzman.com. And uh, I'm about to head to the Guatemala-Mexico border tomorrow. I'm on my way for a 10-day reporting trip. And uh, if you want to see what I come up with, just uh, go to my site and go to my Twitter.
1: I certainly will be looking forward to talking to you when you get back on that.
2: Yep, happy to do it.
1: Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've been speaking with Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration uh, Studies. Thank, Thank you for being with us, Todd. Thank
2: you again.
0: elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at elconservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book El Conservador: Conservative Opinions online at amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930AMTheAnswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on San Antonio's KLUP 930AM Radio. And uh, we have a very special guest with us, Mr. Dan Lyman, all the way from Europe. I think he's in Switzerland. I'll ask him. Uh, and, uh, Dan is a writer for InfoWars War- in Europe covering, uh, migration and immigration issues. And I wanted to get him on because, uh, he's been writing some real powerful stuff. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us.
4: Great to be with you, George. Thank you very much. And yes, I am in Switzerland. Uh, that's where I live. All right.
1: So Dan, tell us, uh, we hear a lot of the migration, uh, from, uh, Asia and Africa into uh, the European Union. And uh, we've been reading about uh, some of the problems that have occurred, but you're right there on the front lines and you're reporting on it. Tell us, what are some of the issues that are popping up with immigration uh, with regards to, to uh, uh, in, in, in the European Union, as well as uh, what are some of the problems that are, that are incur- occurring?
4: Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, I'm sure that people are familiar with the the 2015 migration crisis. Uh, That was when millions of people started pouring into Europe uh, uh, the impetus was basically uh leadership such as Angela Merkel said basically we need to take these refugees of war from Syria essentially was the the argument um and we need to <clears throat> welcome these people to the continent Kirchhoff and das was the uh the the refrain they took up in Germany And uh, basically, she opened the floodgates uh, by decree to Europe. And um, at that time, uh, up until that time, there had certainly been migration into Europe. There were issues that have been ongoing for decades, but uh, in general, uh, they've been much, much more mellow compared to what has happened since 2015. But then at that time, that's really when things accelerated uh, into hyperspeed. And uh, during that year, And the subsequent year, uh, Germany added about 2% to their population, about 2 million people. That's on the books. Um, And also countries like Sweden added about 2% to their population. Uh, Other countries such as France, the UK, Belgium, Uh, Italy, Italy's on the front lines, Greece, uh, all these countries have have taken in monstrous, monstrous amounts of newcomers, um, the vast majority of whom uh, didn't speak the language when they arrived, uh, underskilled, uh, typically need a lot of state assistance when they do arrive, and uh, since then, um, the problems that have unfolded across Europe, especially in Western Europe, have been monumental and uh, it really has transformed life for Western Europeans in particular. Things are a little bit different in Eastern Europe, uh, which we can get into later, um, not quite the same, because uh, they haven't taken the same approach to, uh, to taking in migrants from the Middle East, from uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan and uh, Northern Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, um, and they're coming from as far away as uh, Venezuela now in South America even. So that's kind of in a nutshell what's been going on, and uh, in terms of the, the negative effects, they are numerous and um Many of them involve crime, violent crime, crimes against children, crimes against women. But there are much deeper issues as well, such as the, the financial burden that they place on the European taxpayers. So basically Europeans are funding the destruction of their own continent, which I find to be particularly uh, insidious. Uh, it's just um, the, the problems are far reaching and they the new ones are manifesting, uh, as time moves along here and the flow into Europe has, has only lulled temporarily for a couple of years, but at this point it is, uh, reaching
1: a new crescendo. So that's where we're at at this point now, at the beginning of 2020. Now, one of the things that that we take for granted in, in, in the United States is when we talk about immigrants, we talk about usually Latino immigrants, Latino migrants, illegal aliens from Mexico, usually and because of the huge Mexican population that we've had historically, you know, it, there has been a um, a blending. But uh, I think that it's uh, it's quite different now when we've got people arriving from Bangladesh and um, when you know when they're arriving from Afghanistan, for crying out loud. And uh, I'm not sure how well they are mixing into uh, their culture and their and their uh, religion and and background is mixing in with western european culture what are you seeing
2: uh that is certainly the case certainly is
4: a huge huge barrier Uh, i don't think that a lot of them are, are here at all to integrate um the, uh, what we cover at, in my work at Infowars Europe is uh, we cover the migration-related issues on a daily basis, and I'm pouring through uh, European news and European news outlets in both English and their native tongue uh, on a daily basis, and um, the amount of crime that is uh, occurring in, in Western Europe in particular is, is monumental and so often it is um, Somali's Af- Afghans, uh, Pakistani, Pakistanis, um, Syrians, um, people from North Africa, people from sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and, and you see that these people, they are, they often, um, they're committing their crimes in, in groups. There, uh, there's a, a monumental amount of gang activity now. Uh, for instance, the Stockholm police have detected, they have, uh, over 50 organized crime, um, bodies working in the, in the city of Stockholm alone, and many of them are uh, African gangs. Um, we have the same situation in Italy. You have African gangs operating in Italy. So, I mean, these are uh, not even just um, individuals. These are entire networks that uh, that are involved in human trafficking drug trafficking uh, they fight each other now you have uh, gang violence is just explosive in Sweden at this point um, where they've even uh, basically put together an entire task force just to handle the uh, the warring crime factions that are now doing battle on Swedish soil so back to your original question integration uh, it's not really not happening very well um, there are a lot of parallel societies everyone's probably heard of no-go zones those are very much a reality across Western Europe, and uh, that is because uh, they're basically creating parallel societies here in Europe.
1: One of the one of the articles that you recently wrote was uh, regarding uh, women, the danger to women in Brussels. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yes, absolutely.
4: One of the the groups of people that is most adversely affected by the situation are women. Uh, the incidence of rape and sexual assault, um, harassment, um, intimidation uh, is just through the roof at this point. So, um, yeah, I think you're probably alluding to the article that we just published uh, today. Actually, uh, they just did a poll of, of over 1,000 women from the Netherlands. This is what this is the, the Telegraph, which is one of their largest, if not their largest, publication, and the, the results were. They found that 44% of women in the Netherlands regularly feel unsafe traveling in public spaces, and uh, many of these women have been subjected to the uh, to the offenses that I previously just listed. Um, and buried deep in the article, you find uh, that even De Telegraph admits that a, a striking number of, of respondents said that they had run-ins with foreign men, and that is basically a, an issue that is so prevalent now in europe people have heard of the fake news they're very familiar with the way that the media uh, basically reports chooses to what to report on and chooses what not to report on and what to cover up in the united states of course that is just as bad here in europe and one of the things they do is they obfuscate the amount of crime and the way that um, women are treated by the newcomers and in many cases they will refuse to report the nationalities or the appearances of, of criminals, uh, uh, suspects here in, in Europe. And it makes it very hard for people to uh, get a clear picture of what's going on around them if they can't uh, really hear the truth about who is perpetrating crimes, who is uh, perpetrating harassment against, uh, against their fellow countrymen. But if you dig a little under the surface, you do tend to discover that, uh, that, that, that a, a huge increase in, uh, in this activity is brought in by foreign males. Uh, the vast majority of the migrants that have come into Europe since 2015 are male, and many of them
2: are under the age of 50.
1: Wow. Uh, tell us, uh, here in the, in the closing minutes of our, of our show, um, what do you think the United States should learn from what is happening in Europe?
4: you know, I think a lot of people are, for instance, I was speaking recently to, to a group of people who are very, uh, in tune with what's going on in terms of the, the relations, uh, the relationship between immigration and, and, uh, its adverse effects in the United States. And they asked me to come speak to them and, uh, present to them the, the European side of the issue. And, um, by the end of the, the presentation, I kept it as, as reasonable as I could and not over the top because some of these stories and um, things that I can relate to them are really are over the top. They were so shocked, and they felt, that things w- they felt that things were so much worse here in Europe. I'm not sure if that's the case. I think we have major issues back in the United States with uh, very similar issues just being generally perpetrated by a different group of, of people, a different group of newcomers. But I think that uh, America should look to Europe – in terms of um, the way that the way that these uh, parallel societies are forming, I think really is, is what's really important to look at, because you have. A whole other Europe is developing. And it's very really not European. And I think that people should be very wary uh, in the United States of, of allowing anyone um, into the country that is unprepared to assimilate into the way of life and, and much prefers to bring their own way of life with them, their own um, culture, their own um, uh, the issues that surround their own cultures, and, and then don't make any effort to integrate into American life. People can look to see what's going on here in Western Europe and see that it really does not work. And uh, in general, multiculturalism is not a strength. Di- the Diversity can work, but people have to assimilate into a uh, uh, into, uh, similar culture, one culture, and it has to work the way that it has for quite a while in the United States. So I think that people need to really keep an eye on these, this parallel society that's developing here in Europe
1: we've been talking with uh, mr. Dan Lyman from uh, Infowars in, in uh, the European uh, in Europe uh, and uh, Dan thank you very very much for taking time to be with us you've been very very enlightening and we've got to get you back on the show again uh, we'll be following I'll, I certainly will be following your uh, uh, your blog and and uh, and call you from time to time to, to talk about the issues as you're writing about them my pleasure and just there who wants to just kind
4: of keep an eye on the uh, on the situation here. You can go to Infowars. Uh, we have EuropeWars.com or uh, Europe.Infowars.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Citizen Analyst, and I post all my work there as well.
1: Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 9:30 AM Radio, The Answer. Thank you for being with us. I hope that you will join us again next week, next Saturday at 2 p.m. Central. Tell your friends and keep the fires of liberty burning.